like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this, this like Friday black, edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready for another fantastic edition of your favorite show available on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, specifically with a title called The Logan Blackman Show. I almost said one, but we're not doing our Instagram handle right now. Actually, yes, we are, because we got to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blyman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter or X at Logan underscore Blackman. You can find me on Instagram at Blackman Logan. Our show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1, which is what we almost said earlier. And then, of course, Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. And, of course... Make sure you subscribe and or follow the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe. If you're listening right now, make sure you're subscribed and leave a rating out of five stars on both. It doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star rating, though. I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating over anything else available out of the rankings out of five stars. And, of course, you can check out all those links to social media accounts on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can also check out links to blog posts, which we will have a mock draft coming out for you shortly. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It'll be coming out post-National Championship game, which, again, is stupid that it's on a Monday, but that's how things work out in college football. I don't, I don't understand that. I never have. I, I will never understand that. Like, for as long as I can remember, the National Championship has been played on a Monday. I, I have never understood. College football, the entire season is played on a Saturday. The entire season, minus a few bowl games and some action and stuff like that, college football is played on on Saturdays, okay, there was a handshake agreement between the NFL and college football that college football is going to be played on Saturdays, the NFL on Sundays and Mondays, and the NFL started creeping over to Saturdays, and then you go, well, what the hell is this? And he got college football creeping over to Thursdays. What the hell is going on here? But the national championship game should never, ever be played on a Monday. It is one of the dumbest things in sports that and the Super Bowl the day after the Super Bowl I should say being not not being a national holiday we need recovery time from these things you can't go to work on a Tuesday after the national championship game and this is again as long as as far back as I can remember the national championship game has been played on a Monday maybe I'm misremembering some certain things in this but the national championship game should be played on a Saturday like almost every single college football game throughout the season when was the last time, apart from last Monday, which was New Year's Day, when was the last time either Michigan or Washington played on a Monday? When is the last time that's happened? If it was this year and I'm just completely misremembering, I apologize for that. I apologize for that. But to me, I don't think it happened. I, mean, I don't remember it happening. I mean, I freaking watched every single one of their games back this season. I remember we did the blog post every single Friday on the Logan Blavistry ranked the quarterback rank. It did the quarterback rankings for each and every week throughout the college football season for the upcoming 2024 NFL draft, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. But man, Monday is not for college football. I mean, the odd bowl game, yeah, sure, it's fun, but everybody's on winter break. No one's in winter break on Monday, January 8th, or Tuesday, January 9th. We are going back to school around these times. There needs to be a recovery process for everybody involved, especially the Michigan and Washington fans. Now, for me, who does not give a rat's ass about really either team, apart from I would like Michigan to win just because I said they would win earlier in the season, let alone when we made our officially official bowl predictions, they're going to need some recovery time. 
And Lord knows we'll probably all need some recovery time to a certain extent. Not saying everybody's going to get blackout hammered or anything like that. I sure as hell am not. But, you know, you just need that extra day. The Super Bowl, same thing. Like, my teams have not played in the Super Bowl. I've never witnessed the Bills play in the Super Bowl. I've never witnessed the Iowa Hawkeyes play for a national championship game. And I'm So I'm coming at this from a neutral. I'm not even biased in this standpoint. But imagine how Washington Michigan fans feel. It's insanity. Absolute insanity. <laughs> Move it back to a freaking Saturday. Good Lord. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But speaking on that, <laughs> let's go over the Michigan and Washington game. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be both college football playoff semifinal games between Michigan and Alabama and Washington and Texas were two very, very exciting games. Both went about how we expected them to. I mean, Michigan and Alabama, both those teams can make that game extremely ugly. Both teams are very run-dominant teams. you got Michigan with the two-back pairing of Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards. Those, this year, it's been mostly the Blake Corm show. Donovan Edwards did not necessarily take that leap that many were expecting him to this season after those back-to-back insane games that he had last year. I think it was against Ohio State and Purdue. Like, games like that, we're expecting big jumps because Blake Corn was out those last few weeks of the regular season and the postseason. He missed the bowl game, missed the Big Ten Championship, missed the game against Ohio State. They just carried, Donovan Edwards just carried Ohio State, Michigan's offense, sorry, throughout those games. And this year, we just haven't really seen him. Maybe his helmet's a little too big for him. Maybe it's, like, weighing him down a little bit. Like, Deontay Wilder, when he lost to Tyson Fury, said he had the, the suit weighed his legs weak. So he already had that built-in excuse. Maybe Donovan Edwards' helmet's just too freaking heavy for his head. I mean, the helmet already looks too big for him. I mean, look at him when he plays. Like, look, when he turns to face the camera, look at his helmet. I don't think you could see his eyes. Like, I think the helmet is below his eyes. I hate those helmets anyways, those fighter pilot helmets. I don't even know what they're technically called. I think they're modeled after, like, a jet helmet or something like that. And I was talking to my friend Johnny, like, a couple, it was, uh, when was this? It was about a week or two ago. And we were sitting in my house, and he's talking about those helmets. And we're sitting down watching USC versus Louisville, and he talks about that helmet. It's like, if you don't have a visor on that helmet, and someone else also doesn't have a visor on that helmet, those helmets can intersect, and that helmet could smash right through your freaking face. <laughs> like, it would fit through the hole created by the massive opening between the face mask and the top of the helmet. You could yam a face mask right through there. I know these helmets are supposed to be the quote-unquote safest helmets in football, at least that's what they're uh, brought up to be. But you could get more hurt doing that if you don't have a visor. So it should be required to have a visor on the helmet. I know most of those people that wear those helmets have a visor, but there are some madmen that go around not wearing visors on that face mask. And Donovan Edwards, he is one that does wear a visor on that face mask. But that's not the main. And then obviously Alabama with Jalen Milrow, Jace McClellan at running back as well. Both teams got decent sets of wide receivers. You got Bond. For Alabama, you've got Roman Wilson for Michigan. Obviously, you got Cornelius Johnson there as well. Colston Loveland's there for Alabama or for Michigan. Sorry, Alabama's got a good offensive line. Michigan's got a good offensive line. Like this was a game that they could, if they wanted to make ugly, they could, and they did. And it was just the quarterbacks. Which quarterback would step up in the biggest stage? Many out there thought it would be Jalen Milrow, and it turns out JJ McCarthy was the guy who stepped up and played probably the game of his life against Alabama on the biggest stage. He didn't have an insane stat line. He did have three touchdowns in the game, though. Didn't throw for a shit ton of yards. But he had some insane insane pass in that game. One to Roman Wilson, the one that got tipped, and the one on the pitch back where he got absolutely lit up. Not lit up. Not. And when it first happened, it looked like he absolutely got his head ripped off by Dallas Turner. But when he got hit by Dallas Turner while throwing the ball down the far down the near sideline, sorry. I, I, don't, I saw this on Twitter today. I don't think that throw gets talked about enough. That was a great throw. 
from J.J. McCarthy. And that's the potential we always talk about when you're talking about McCarthy, when he's technically still learning how to be a top, 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 top level quarterback because the offense Michigan runs. He's not asked to do as much as some of the other top, top quarterbacks out there. Like you have a running back tandem and a very good offensive line with all right receivers. I don't want to discredit Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. They're not, they're, they're all right receivers. Was it Samaj Moore as well out there? Like good receivers, but they're not really game changers. You look at the likes of Washington or Texas or teams like that who have game changing wide receivers along with game changing quarterbacks. I would take Penix over Quinn Ewers, but that's another discussion for another time. But man, J.J. McCarthy stepped up to the plate. Everybody going into this game is like, oh, Alabama's going to throw so many fronts at J.J. McCarthy. He's not going to be able to know how to handle it. And he did. He more than did. And obviously, Blake Quorum fittingly scores the game when he touched on his Michigan goes on to go to the national championship. National championship game. But on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, we've got Washington. And as predicted, going into that game against Texas, it was one of the more high-flying games of the season because of the two offenses they got and the weaknesses of the, or perceived weaknesses but of each team's secondary. Alabama, or geez, I keep doing this. Texas is, defensive line is their strong suit. I mean, just Byron Murphy just announced he's going to the NFL today. We'll see when Sweat decides if he's going to stay or go. One would imagine he goes as well. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's a, the most likely outcome, but there's a chance that both of them could go in the first round. I'm not sitting here, like, stamping my my entire reputation on saying Byron Murphy and Swell will go in the first round of the NFL draft, but it is definitely within the realm of possibilities. They're very good. They're very, very good. Maybe Byron Murphy more than Sweat, but again, that'll be coming down to, you know, uh, personal preference at that point and stuff like that. But very good players. But Texas's secondary was not seen as a strong point. What's Washington's strong point? Their receiving core, who is finally all back and healthy. McMillan had been out for a few games this season. And getting McMillan back and pairing him back up with Jalen Polk and one of the best receivers in college football in Roma Dunze, that is cheating. That is absolutely cheating with Washington having one of the better offensive lines in all college football as well. Like, this was set up to be an absolute barn burner, and that's what it was. And Washington tried their damnedest to run the ball. <laughs> they, Dylan Johnson, they tried to run him as much as physically possible because even when, and we talk about this a lot on this show, even when the run game is not necessarily breaking off all these massive runs that you're expecting or you're getting like 100 yards or something, like I think he ran it 20-something times. He got 50 yards or something. Along those lines. I'm not looking at the stats, so I'm not 100%. I can't remember 100% what his stats were. But even in games like that, you're stucking the defense back in and opening up holes in the pass game. I was watching the game with Brady. Like Washington kept running the ball, and you're getting like two, three yards of carry. Like, even if you do that three times, you're not getting a first down. So there's some people out there who go like, well, your strength's passing. Texas' weakness is the secondary. Why don't you keep passing it? Well, guess what? Them running the ball as much as they did sucked the safeties down, sucked the linebackers down, which opened up more holes in the secondary for the likes of Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, and McMillan. It worked perfectly. Worked absolutely perfectly. And though Texas tried their hardest to ruin the game for Washington because Washington their time management has not been great <laughs> at numerous times throughout this season. The most famous one comes in the first game against Oregon. Then you have it here, too. They're giving Texas just enough time to try and mount a comeback. And maybe Quinn Ewers, I saw a lot of these uh, you know, on the armchair quarterbacks on Twitter after that, should have thrown it to the near pylon. Or thrown it to the front pylon, sorry. Not the near, near pylon on the far sideline. Maybe he should have thrown it there. Maybe he could have gotten that. Maybe he could have gotten the ball. But great play by the secondary on that. 
I don't remember who it was that broke up the pass, but great, great play. Everybody's like, hey, you got to show this. And like, if you're coaching secondary, if you're if you're a secondary coach, safety coach, corner coach, whatever, show them that play. Because that was perfect coverage on the play. Perfect coverage. And Texas, again, Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, two receivers. We talk about Sweat and uh, Murphy on the defense line. Mitchell and Worthy, they're two players for Texas that could also go in the first round. And uh, Xavier Worthy just announced he's going to the NFL draft as well. We'll see if Adonai Mitchell follows, which we, we would assume so. But Lord knows. We'll have to wait and see on that. But that game was fun. Quinn Ewers had himself a very solid game. Uh, yeah, and you got C.J. Baxter back there for Texas. Didn't put up an insane amount of yards in the game. Blue had a touchdown run in that game as well. Just a, a fun, fun, fun game. And Michael Penix, we talked about J.J. McCarthy having probably the best game of his career. Michael Penix probably had the best game of his career. Which is insane to think about with the amount of games, good games Michael Penix has had since transferring over to Washington. That was probably his best one because you got to factor in the moment. And the moment, he went up to it. And that's what you look for in a quarterback. So this game between Washington and Michigan, there's a lot of people going to be looking at this quarterback battle. A lot of people. And two teams that are complete polar ops of each other in regards to offensive identity. Michigan will try to run the ball, make the game ugly. Washington can try that. I haven't heard anything about Dylan Johnson, about him being coming back from injury. Because remember, he did get hurt in the latter parts of the game against Texas. So we'll see him out that. But this is like two polar opposites of each other. And Michigan's defense is very good. It's very good. And always has been. Only, I shouldn't say always has been, but has been, especially over these past three seasons. Very solid defensively. I mean, they're three straight Big Ten titles. You would hope a defense is at least somewhat solid, right? But they've had the options to back it up. And you got J.J. McCarthy, who, again, is still extremely raw. And this, you can say you can laugh all you want with me saying that because he is in his second year as a starter at Michigan. But, again, we haven't even tapped in to what J.J. McCarthy really could be, and that's what's exciting about seeing him at the next level. So when you see J.J. McCarthy mocked in, like, the top 15 or something, like we brought up numerous times, like, when you see that, you're going to get some people or have him, like, for the quarterback rankings. I posted one, one. I posted them all on Twitter, so make sure again to go follow. <laughs> but I posted the graphic on Twitter, and some you know genius responds and says McCarthy, LOL, or JJ, LOL, JJ question mark, LOL, or McCarthy question mark, LOL. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but that was that was the quick notes version of the, <laughs> of, the of the exchange that I had. I always find it interesting how people find these accounts. Like, were you just going on? You don't follow me. I've never seen your account before. Do you just go on Twitter just to hate? Is that all you're trying to do? Like, what? What is the goal of tweeting me, someone you don't know, and I reverse, I don't know you, about their quarterback takes? And someone, people have responded to Instagram things too. They've commented on Instagram things. I had one guy on Instagram say, uh, Jalen Milrow over Carson Beck. I mean, I don't think, I think Jalen Milrow will probably have a better chance of winning a Heisman, potentially, just because of his dual threat ability, but Carson Beck could also move as well. I think Carson Beck is a much better pro prospect than Jalen Milrow and might be the number one prospect coming into next year's draft. Obviously, you got the likes of Quinn Ewers. I mean, not confirmed for Quinn Ewers, but Quinn Ewers, Shadur Sanders from Colorado, Riley Leonard at Notre Dame. You expect him to take a bit of a leap this year. Had good moments at Duke this past year, but now playing at Notre Dame on a national stage. We'll see how he handles that. But when you have these quarterback rankings – with J.J. McCarthy, like we had our final rankings had J.J. McCarthy at four behind the likes of May, Williams, and Jane Daniels, which I think is fair. <laughs> I think that's, I think it's very fair. 
and I had McCarthy at four. And you tweet out things like this, and McCarthy's not necessarily the most stat-happy, stat, like, look at all these insane stats J.J. McCarthy's putting up kind of quarterback. He's just not that, especially with the offense Michigan runs again. Michigan's as old school of an offense as you're going to get <laughs> in quote-unquote modern college football. Next to Iowa, of course, and the triple option schools. But apart from them, it's Michigan. And Michigan runs it extremely, extremely well. But what McCarthy lacks in stats, he makes up for, for in some insane throws. Again, we've talked, we talked about this last show. Duke can make some insane throws. And he did it against Alabama on the national stage where everybody was doubting him. And he was the reason to a lot of people out there why Michigan was not going to win that game. He was the quote-unquote, I don't know what you want. Well, what should we call it? He was the whipping boy for a lot of people out there for why Michigan was not going to win the semifinal game against Alabama. And he proved that. Like we already knew what Michael Penix was. It was just can JJ McCarthy step up to that step up to the plate? Like Michael Penix was correctly a Heisman finalist and was the Heisman winner after that first Oregon matchup. There's some games after that that I wasn't a massive fan of, and I perfectly am fine with him not winning the Heisman. I'm perfectly fine with him coming second. And he's balling out right now. He played well in the Pac-12 championship game, but not well enough to, in my opinion, to take the Heisman away from Jane Daniels. We said that as much after the game. But this game against Texas, he balled out. He absolutely balled out. And he deserves all the praise that he's getting right now on social media. But it's going to be really odd <laughs> if and when, or when, if let's say, hypothetically, Michael Penix and Washington win the national championship. This is, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're sitting here on, December, on January 4th. We don't know what's going to happen. But let's say, hypothetically, Washington goes on to win the national championship game. Where does Michael Penix fall in the draft? Does him winning a national championship game take away all the problems people might have with his age, uh, injury history, his arm speed? Are there certain aspects that are going to get overlooked now? Or maybe for some people, properly looked at, because some people might be thinking that, oh, we're overanalyzing that for Michael Penix. Would that over would that counteract everything that's quote unquote negative around Michael Penix? This dude's got the arm. The past few games, regular season, we saw him actually run the ball a little bit more, which is something we haven't seen since he came over to Washington because of all the injuries he had in Indiana. Duke can move in Indiana. But obviously tearing your ACL twice kinda of, <laughs> kinda of lowers your uh, your running ability, at least most of the time. But you saw some designed run plays from Michael Penix, and seeing that kind of stuff gives people confidence going towards the draft. So if Michael Penix does win the national championship game, does he in turn become not only a first round draft? Because I've seen this a lot in the past few days, not only become a first round draft pick, but become somebody that gets taken in the, I don't, I think this is a little high, but in the top 10, like I saw someone today mock draft, uh, Michael Penix, the Atlanta Falcons at nine. I think it's a little rich given all the factors we brought up earlier. If he didn't have that, maybe we're looking at this completely differently. Maybe we're talking about Michael Penix being the number one overall pick in the draft, let alone talk about is he a first-round draft pick. Because to a lot of people out there, those are massive things to look at. And I understand Michael Penix hasn't had a bunch of injuries in recent years. Pat since coming to Washington, he's been relatively healthy. But still, they're still there. <laughs> they are still there. Those concerns will hang heavily over a lot of things, Michael Penix. So the offseason will be big. The medical tests will be big. I think he'll do fine in the interviews. I think he'll do well at the combine. I think he'll do well in everything. It's going to be the medical tests are going to be the big factor 
Because everybody knows Michael Pence can play. We know that. You can watch it. Your eyes work. You can see that. So when Michael Penix, if and when he doesn't get drafted before J.J. McCarthy, who statistically he's had a much better season then, and then again, hypothetically, he beats in the national championship game, people are going to uproar on social media. Whatever team drafts J.J. McCarthy, I'm sure will have a majority, or not majority, but will have a certain amount of fans blast the team for drafting J.J. McCarthy through for, I don't remember his exact stats, but... Wait, let's just put it, wait a thousand less yards than Michael Penix. Because that might not be far off. I don't have the exact numbers, but I don't, I don't think it's that far off having a thousand yards passing less. Maybe even more than that, actually. But you're looking at it through a vacuum. And you can't afford to do that when evaluating prospects. I always turn to the, the Buffalo Bills drafting Josh Allen, seventh overall in 2018. They drafted him over Josh Rosen. The anger wasn't them drafting Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson. It was drafting Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. Again, because you're looking at things through a vacuum. In face value, Josh Rosen does everything better than Josh Allen. Everything. At that time, you would have been very hard-pressed. Sorry, I had some dead skin on my finger. You'd be very hard-pressed to find a, a, find a person out there, a fan of a team, that said Josh Allen is a better player than Josh Rosen. You'd have been very hard-pressed to find that. But you got to look long-term. Because from what J.J. McCarthy lacks in stats, you can make an argument J.J. McCarthy, if allowed to, has a stronger arm than Penix. I think Penix is a little more accurate, maybe, but decision-making from Penix went a lot down after that first Oregon game. At least to me. Maybe to you, you think he was perfectly fine. I think the decision-making from Penix went a little bit downward. J.J. McCarthy doesn't have that issue to me. Apart from the Bowling Green game, if J.J. McCarthy gives you a chance to throw an interception, like against Alabama, when did he ever have an opportunity, like, when did Alabama ever have an opportunity like that again? Unless I'm forgetting about it. Did Alabama have another opportunity to pick off J.J. McCarthy? No. Because when he does almost throw an interception, he rarely does that again. You never see it. Against Iowa, a dropped interception. If he gives an interception to you, you have to take it. Because he's not going to do it again. And J.J. McCarthy has a lot less injuries than Michael Penix. To my knowledge, <laughs> it's somewhere around zero. Major, major, major injuries. J.J. McCarthy is also more athletic than Michael Penix and is younger than Michael Penix. He'll need to put on some weight for sure. The dude's very skinny. But from what you could build, that's what you've got to look at it as. You can disagree with me and you think Michael Penix is a superior player than J.J. McCarthy. That's fine, but try to see where I'm coming from in regards to looking at it past this point. Because this is the people on social media that will tweet me going like, J.J. McCarthy 4, LOL, or whatever. Like, look long-term at it. This is the draft. We're not ranking college quarterbacks. We're ranking college quarterbacks for the draft. There's a big difference. There's a massive difference. Tim Tebow, when he got drafted, I think, 25th overall by the Denver Broncos, at that point, was arguably the best player in college football. I know he didn't win the Heisman when he got drafted, but one of the best players in college football. But ranking him as a college quarterback, like you look at the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. To me, Vince Young is the greatest college quarterback of all time for like career. Vince Young stunk it up in the NFL. He had one good season in Tennessee, and that was pretty much it. 
but won a national championship, played arguably the greatest game of all time against USC in the Rose Bowl. Tim Tebow is another example of someone who was great in college. Now, this again, this is not a vacuum thing here because I am aware, like Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, were great players in college, Lamar Jackson, great players in college that are great players in the NFL. But we're not ranking it specifically on how good they are in college. That's why I'm trying to, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like Matt Leinart, another one. Matt Leinart, Heisman winner, nas- multinational championships at USC. Seventh overall pick in the draft. It's, uh, no, tenth overall pick in the draft. He wore number seven in Arizona, sorry. Like, did nothing in the NFL. Got replaced by Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was the backup with the Giants for Eli Manning, who they just drafted first overall, or I guess technically traded for Eli Manning. But they were fine with trading, letting Kurt Warner to sit on the bench. Kurt Warner was fine with that. Matt Leonard was so bad that they were like, hey, we're going to bring in 37-year-old Kurt Warner, however old he was at the time. They can't afford to look at these things through a vacuum. Like, on face value, yes, I could see where you're coming from with regards to Michael Penix over J.J. McCarthy. Yes, I understand that. But if you're looking at it long-term, which one do you think would be the better long-term option? And you're you're allowed to have your own opinion on that. I'm not saying you have to think exactly like I do, but this is how I'm trying to view it. And not every example will warrant a case like Josh Halbert's Josh Rosen. That's not always the case. Because sometimes you could have a situation where the Jets, they draft freaking Ken O'Brien before Dan Marino. Now you could have one of those situations too. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here saying this is exactly how it is every single time, but... When you're trying to build a case for this, that's how I'm going to do it. <laughs> so don't just look at it through a bag. And I think these two quarterbacks will have very fun games this weekend. Again, I picked it midway through the season. I picked it with Brady before the bowl season started. I think Michigan went to the natty. I think Washington's a very good team. I think Washington's a very uh, very deserving team. I think both teams are very deserving teams for the national championship this year. But I'm going to stick with Michigan. I do think Michigan wins. I think Michigan's got a very solid secondary. Can match up well against Washington's receivers. Easier said than done, I know. But I think Michigan will be able to pound the rock as well. I I like Washington's D-line. Braylon Trice at the defensive end is very, very good for Washington. I understand that. Jeez, I almost tripped. (laughs) I almost tripped on my uh, headphone cord. I'm just standing. I'm walking around pacing a little bit. I almost tripped on my cord. That's that was not ideal. But man, quarterbacks are fun. Quarterbacks are fun and frustrating at the exact same time. Everything around it. Like, <laughs> like I saw, I got Noah, he texted me the other day. Ty Thompson, who's transferring from Oregon, he took a picture after the Pac-12 championship game. He did like the Stephon Diggs, J.J. McCarthy picture, like watch the confetti fall and stuff like that. Like he took one of those pictures and then transferred. But the best part about it is, per reports, Ty Thompson is visiting Iowa. And I knew he was transferring, but I was not aware there were previous connections to the University of Iowa. So let's read. Let's read this. This is from Hawks, Hawkeye, HawkeyesWire.usttoday.com. Iowa Hawkeyes reportedly hosting Oregon Ducks transfer QB Ty Thompson. This was nine hours ago. Reported by David Eichel, 24-7 Sports. The Hawkeyes are hosting Oregon Ducks transfer QB Ty Thompson on a visit coming Friday, January 5th. So, so today. Iowa's not been active yet in looking outside their program 
as there was intent and focus to keep guys in the black and gold. Ty Thompson, Arizona native, has has spent three years out in Eugene, Oregon, as a member of the Ducks. While signs to a midwest, all signs point to the mid, all signs, jeez. Oh While all signs point to the Midwest for Thompson, there are deeper ties to the Midwest that lead back to his recruitment and specific ties that are close to Iowa. Here's a look at Ty Thompson's recruiting profile. Da, 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 da. There, there was one specific thing I was looking for. Yeah, we know. I know he's good. He's a good quarterback. Uh, takeaways. Oh, where was that? I think his mom's from. I, I, I was surprised they didn't say it in here. I'm pretty sure his mom's from Iowa. So his connection in Iowa was linked with him when he first came out of high school. I knew that. But I didn't know there was actually going to be a situation where he's actually considering going to Iowa after watching how fun their offense is. But, uh, hey, if I was a quarterback that I thought I was pretty good and I saw Deacon Hill play this year, I would think, yeah, I, I'm better than that. I'm going to go play for Iowa. I'm going to play for a Big Ten school. I know Oregon's technically a Big Ten school now, but I'm going to go play for Iowa. They recruited me. My mom's from Iowa. I'm going to go to Iowa. If that happens, good Lord. They must have listened to Wednesday's episode of Logan Blamish where I absolutely threw a bitch fit about <laughs> the idea of Deacon Hill replacing Cade McNamara. And what's crazy is, what's even crazier, I would not be shocked if Ty Thompson not only pushed McNamara, but beat out McNamara. This is if he transfers to Iowa. He's going to transfer, obviously, in the portal. And Dylan Gabriel's going up to Oregon, so he's not going to play for Oregon. But... I would not be shocked by whoever the offensive coordinator is for Iowa, whether it's Paul. I saw some links to Paul Christ recently, which is who I wanted, but then I saw Joe Philbin got brought up because the connections to the University of Iowa was there when Kirk Ferentz first got to Iowa. Like, I don't know. I've seen links to uh, uh, Scott Frost, who we forgot about a few weeks ago on the show. I've seen links with him. Uh, Noah texted me today, said Chip Kelly has been rumored to come to Iowa as an OC, which I just don't see coming. If it if Chip Kelly were to come to Iowa, I'd be perfectly okay with it, but I just don't see it. I mean, Chip Kelly hasn't been an offensive coordinator. Sorry, a play caller or whatever in years. In freaking years. Like, he was at Oregon, he went to the Eagles, he went to the 49ers, and he went to UCLA. Like, I don't think he would leave UCLA to go be an OC at Iowa. If he left, be, left UCLA for any reason, whether he gets fired or leaves on his own accord... He would go try to find another head coaching job. But if he came to Iowa, I'd be more than okay with that. I, I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, woe is me. Oh, uh, gosh darn it. Why did he come to Iowa? No, I'd op- welcome him with open arms. I just really have a hard time seeing that happen. Really have a hard time seeing that happen. I don't even think Chip Kelly... I mean, I saw reports of Chip Kelly getting fired from UCLA, but I thought those were stupid. I mean, Chip Kelly is... This is one of those situations like A&M or teams like that. Right, who the hell do you think you are? You're UCLA football. I understand UCLA is very good at damn near every other sport. Football's not that. <laughs> they're great at baseball. They're great at basketball. They're great at track and field. They're great at all those things. Football is not something that they're necessarily known for. Their si- their brother in the city, USC, is way more known for football than UCLA is. So when you're getting a team seven and five, eight and four consistently, nine and three every single year these past however many seasons since they were an absolute dumpster fire before he got there. Like, keep him. Why Why would you get rid of him now? <laughs> Unless there's some scandal or something. I did also see Chip Kelly's being linked or monitored for head coaching jobs in the NFL, which I that can't happen, right? Chip Kelly tried twice in the NFL. It didn't work either time, whether it was the Eagles or the 49ers. The 49ers was an absolute shit show. 
I know there's a lot of other issues with the 49ers team, but that team sucked ass. They went like 2-14 and 14 or something when Chip Kelly was there. But college, he's got a good thing going in college. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a pretty good thing going there. But if Chip Kelly came to Iowa, which I would mark down as like a 10 to 15% chance of happening, maybe even less than that, 5 to 10% chance of that happening. If he, that happened, sick. If not, then I'd no skin off my back. I'm, I would want Paul Chris, because I think that's more of a realistic option, but you never know. You never know. Ty Thompson coming to Iowa, though, would be really fun. Be really fun. There's also talks of Casper coming here, which would be really, really cool. Another transfer from Oregon. Uh, Tez Johnson just announced that he's coming back to Oregon, so, you know, Kevin Casper's kid, come back to Iowa, come here, we'll take care of you again. You're coming with Ty Thompson, got a receiver there. All good to go. And Iowa's offense instantly is getting improved upon. And Deacon Hill goes down to Grandview. Like, it's all working out perfectly. Everything is going perfectly. <laughs> and Spencer Peters went to Utah State. We'll see how he does there. He'll be cheering for Utah State whenever he plays over there. So we got a lot of things moving around in Iowa. And today, we got announced today, like right before I start recording, Cooper DeGene has announced he will be going to the NFL draft to the surprise of absolutely nobody. No one should be shocked that Cooper DeGene went to the NFL. There was like a little part of me that thought Cooper DeGene would stay. Like a, a minuscule part of me. Because he's from Odebo, small town Iowa. Like there's like those small town Iowa kids. They say, oh, God, family values here at the University of Iowa. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to finish out my career. We're going to win a national championship, do that whole spiel. But he's decided to go to the pros. And I do not blame him one bit. I mean, he's pretty much a lock to be a first-round draft pick. He was a Jim Thorpe Award finalist. He's an elite return guy. He could play outside, inside, or safety at corner. Like he's got the size to play pretty much everywhere. 6'1", 205. Insane athlete. Like, Cooper DeGene is... And I don't, I don't say this lightly. I don't say this lightly. I've watched... Again, we brought this up Wednesday. I've watched a lot of good Iowa football over my life. I've watched a lot of bad football, too. Recently. At least playing-wise. Playing-wise. But I've seen everything. Cooper DeGene, honestly, is one of the best players I've ever seen play for Iowa. He is. I'm not even, like, being hyperbolic, exaggerating. I'm not doing any of that. Cooper Regine is insane. Like, I've never seen anything like that at Iowa. Since I've, like, gained consciousness and was able to comprehend everything that was going on at the University of Iowa, like, Cooper Regine's insane. He's absolutely insane. Like, Mel Kuyper, I understand, like, different people value different things and players. The same thing we talk about the quarterback situation with McCarthy and Penix. Like, Mel Kuyper... In Mel Kuyper, I've had my disagreements with Mel Kuyper in the past. But one thing Mel Kuyper is great at and what he should be remembered for, he's the reason the NFL draft is as big as it is. Like, he's the reason that this draft is huge, as, as big of a spectacle as it is where millions upon millions of people, hundreds of millions of people are watching the draft. Like, it's because of Mel Kuyper. You can agree or disagree with his takes. and sure he's had some bad ones over the years. But, hey, he is the godfather of the NFL draft, pretty much. And again, whatever you think about him, you can take this however you want. I've talked about this Brady before. Mel Kuyper has Cooper Jean as the number one cornerback in the draft. And this is a pretty solid cornerback draft class. Like, we've obviously brought up Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold from Alabama before, but Nate Wiggins from Clemson's another great one. Kalen King, though his stock took a little bit of a dip because of the Ohio State game, got absolutely exposed by Marvin Harrison Jr. But again, so who didn't? It's, it reminds me a little bit of uh, A.J. Terrell, when he was at Clemson, when he played against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, no one plays well against those guys. So, shocker, 
He didn't play very well. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kalen King was a first-round draft pick. I don't think he is right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up going there. TJ Tampa, obviously, from LS, from Iowa State, is a very good corner. Rakeshaw from Missouri is a very good corner. Like, there's a lot of good corners in this draft. There's a lot of good corners in this draft. And it'd be intriguing to see where DeGene goes or where a team drafts him and how they want to utilize him. Like, you look at teams like Seattle with aging safeties and things like that. They have a good young secondary right now in regards to cornerback positions. Like, uh, you got Tarek Woolen. Obviously, you got Devin Witherspoon, who's one of the front runners from Rookie of the Year this year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, sorry. Like, they've got a good cornerback pairing right there. Kobe Bryant's also there, not that one. And the safeties are getting older. Jamal Adams, Julian Love. We'll talk about Julian Love here in a little bit. But the safeties are getting older. So maybe you want to play DeGene at corner? I don't Or safety? I don't know. But you can play him outside if you want. Then you look at teams like the Vikings, who could use some cornerback depth. The Vikings are not a great team in regards to their cornerback depth. I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that want to look at the edges as well. I mean, you've got a few edge rushers that could be on a contract this offseason. Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport being a couple of them. So maybe that's a bigger area of concern there as well. But Cooper DeGene, Paul Krause, you know, NFL record holder in interceptions, Iowa guy, makes sense, don't it? <laughs> and maybe you want to play Cooper DeGene at safety there. Harrison Smith's not getting any younger. I mean, I'm not saying flat out replace Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith's still a semi-valuable piece in that secondary. But they're going to want to get younger. And Cooper DeGene definitely could be someone there. And you look at the teams like the Cardinals could also draft a corner. Their secondary's trash. And you look at Jonathan Gannon coming from Philadelphia, the edge rushers are going to be big, but their secondary was also big as well. Look at the likes of James Bradbury, Darius Slay. Like, you have players like that in the secondary. The Cardinals' secondary is trash, especially since Byron Murphy went up to the aforementioned Vikings. So maybe Cooper DeGene goes there. The Steelers, black and gold, just makes sense. Hawkeyes have their uniforms. Makes sense Cooper DeGene goes there. But they're also getting long in the tooth at corner. Patrick Peterson's there. He's getting older. Levi Wallace is a free agent in this offseason. Obviously drafted Joey Porter. Junior, in the second round of this past year's draft. But get another option in there. Black and gold. I mean, it just makes sense. He's basically just wearing the same exact uniform he did in college. The Packers, they love themselves some Iowa prospects. Look at Micah Hyde. Look at Brian Balaga. Look at most recently, Lucas Van Ness. Like, they love themselves some Iowa football players. And Cooper DeGene, the Packers have a need at corner. And just secondary in general. Like, especially with the whole Jair Alexander situation with him shutting his brain off and saying, you know what, I'm going to be a captain. I don't think Coach knew I was a captain. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, but the team knew I was knew I was captain. They knew it. And I and then he calls he wanted to go on defense first instead of staying defer. So he would have kicked off both halves. Like I don't, I don't know. And then after trading Rasul Douglas, you got some problems there at the cornerback position in Green Bay. I mean, thank you, Green Bay, for trading Rasul Douglas, but still, got some issues there. But Terry and Arnold makes a lot of sense there too. The Packers are very look at recent drafts. They are they like their athletes. They like their athletes. I mean, you look at last year, they got Lucas Van Ness in the first round. The year before, they got Quay Walker from Georgia and Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. Two very athletic players. I didn't know. I looked this up the other day because I was thinking about it when I was doing my mock draft for what was going to be last Monday. The last time the Green Bay Packers drafted a line, uh, uh, off to player in the first round, let me get this right because I wrote it down, but I got to get the right blog post up because I want to make sure I get this exactly right. Okay, here it is. Okay, apart from, obviously, uh, Jordan Love, who they drafted in 2020, apart from him, the last offensive player the Green Bay Packers drafted in the first round was in 2011. That was the last time they took it out. So, since 2011, they have taken taken two offensive players, one of them being a quarterback. The other one being, what's his name? Derek Sherrod. 
Offensive tackle, they took him in the 32nd pick in the draft. The Packers recently have not really wanted to be drafting offensive people. They haven't. I understand the offensive tackle situation could be something to look at too, especially David Bakhtiari being ever injured and possibly leaving this offseason. He's not getting older, younger either. So maybe you look at Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. He could be one of those athletic guys, but that just seems like a Packers thing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, back to the Gene. Tampa Bay Buccaneers could use some help in the secondary as well. Gene, very versatile type player. Can play a lot of different positions, as we said before. And then teams like the Jaguars, teams like the Bills could use a safety. I'm not saying corner. The Bills are more than fine at corner right now. Safety will be an issue, though, because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are not getting any younger. They got the Lions. You've got the – I'm trying to think of who else would be a team that could need or could use a secondary piece. The Ravens, the Eagles. Like, there's some decent teams that could take corners that I don't think Cooper Regime will be available past 20. But who knows? Who knows? I you could I could be very wrong about that, but I think Cooper DeGene's a, I think the furthest he drops is Tampa. That's the far at this point, I think that's as far as he goes. I think the most likely spot is probably Green Bay. It just feels like a place for him, right? It just feels like a Packers player. Again, they love themselves viral players. <laughs> they probably have more that I can't remember. I mean Al Lazard, they didn't draft him, but he's from Iowa. Kind of counts. Kurt Warner, they had him for a little bit. He's from Iowa. That counts. <laughs> Didn't have him for very long. Aaron Campman, they had him for a little bit. He's an Iowan. So, like the Packers, they like themselves some Iowa football players. So, might as well try it. Might as well try it. But, man, Cooper Zeden, what a player. What a freaking player. I'm excited to see what he does in the NFL, unless he goes to a team that I don't like. Then that's then we have some problems. Then we're going to have some serious problems. But on the topic of Iowans, let's give a round of applause to Mr. Brocktober himself, Brock Purdy. Being voted into the Pro Bowl uh, was the top vote getter in the Pro Bowl, which I did not know this till yesterday, or maybe it was today. I don't know. Congrats, to Brock Purdy, on making the Pro Bowl. The first official Pro Bowl was in 1951. Iowa State's first representative was Jim Duran or Jim Doran. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. 1960. First Pro Bowl representative from Iowa State was 1960. Nine years after the first Pro Bowl, and then Brock Purdy is now entering his own as Iowa State's latest Pro Bowl representative, I guess. Which, you can look at it either way, however you want to view the, the Pro Bowl. If you think it matters, if it doesn't matter, I don't know. But what I do know, what I, again, the game, I, I liked watching the dodgeball game last year. The dodgeball game was actually fairly fun to watch, but... In regards to it determining legacy and stuff like that, I think it means next to nothing. Because it's a mixture of fan and player votes. And there's some player like like Buda Baker. I'm going to start off with Buda Baker. Why is Buda Baker <laughs> in the Pro Bowl this year? Let me read out Buda Baker's uh, insane stat line this year. Let me read it out for you. Let me read it out for you. Because you get ready for this. Get ready. I know stats don't tell the whole story, but still. You're telling me Buda Baker who played 11 games this year, who has, I know he's a safety, but zero sacks, zero forced fumbles, zero fumble recoveries, zero interceptions. That's a pro bowler. That's a pro bowler right there. Zeros across the board. Sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions, and fumble recoveries. He hasn't even recovered a fumble, let alone forced a fumble this year. Zeros across the board. I understand... Bruda Baker is normally one of the better safeties in football. But really, this year, 
This year, Jalen Ramsey. Why is Jalen Ramsey in the Pro Bowl? Jalen Ramsey started playing like five weeks ago or six weeks ago. They played some asshat quarterbacks since he's been back. Let's look at the quarterbacks Jalen Ramsey has played since he's officially been back. I don't remember the first game he was back. But let's look at this game log for this year. He's been back since October 29th. So he's played, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Since then, he has played, I'm not going to click on each game, but either Matt Jones or Bailey Zappi, Mahomes, who they lost to, uh, Aiden O'Connell, Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle, that's Tim Boyle, Sam Howell, Will Levis, who they lost to, Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon, I can't remember, then Dak and Lamar, and he got blitzed by Lamar. Why are we talking about Jalen Ramsey in the Pro Bowl? What has he done this year that warrants him a Pro Bowl shout? He's got three interceptions. Cool. Cool. And I'm not even going to sit here and act like like Christian Benford or Rasul Douglas really should be in there, but more than Jalen Ramsey, he hasn't even played a full season yet. He's played nine freaking games. Like, come on, man. I understand Jalen Ramsey's got some skin in the game in regards to Everybody likes him around the league. Everybody kind of considers him to be one of the better cornerbacks in football. But come on. It's not. What are we doing here? We, he should not be in the Pro Bowl. Justin Tucker, same thing. Like Cameron Dicker, if we're going AFC kickers, Cameron Dicker should be in the Pro Bowl over Justin Tucker. Harrison Bucker, even. Like, you, why is Justin Tucker in the Pro Bowl? Because we know who Justin Tucker is. And then I'm not going to start on the quarterback situation. Are you kidding? I am. Why is Patrick Mahomes in the freaking Pro Bowl? Like, I could be angry at Tua, but at least Tua leads the league in passing yards. Patrick Mahomes this year in the Pro Bowl. Really? I understand he's got, oh, he's got all these issues with receivers can't catch the balls this year or whatever. But I don't care. That has nothing to do with him deserving to be in the Pro Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, to Patrick Mahomes' level standards, should not be anywhere close to the Pro Bowl. I understand the old line of my bad years or some people's career years. I understand that. But he has not been good this year. He hasn't. He's not deserved to go to the Pro Bowl this year. And Lamar, I'm fine with Lamar being in. That was inevitable at this point. Like, again, Lamar is on the best team in football right now. He hasn't played insanely this year until recently. Had the five-touchdown game against Miami. Like, Lamar Jackson's had six games this year where he has less than two touchdowns, throwing or running. Like, I understand why he's in. I have I like Lamar Jackson a lot more than Tua and Patrick Mahomes. But you're telling me these three, both of them, and maybe it's because they're leading their divisions right now. Why are they in above Josh? And you can call me biased all you want. 42 touchdowns this year is out of the Pro Bowl. Leading the league in touchdowns is out of the Pro Bowl. For Mahomes, who I think has 30, maybe, that's being generous. I'm not even looking that up. I don't know. He has 27 passing touchdowns. I know that. Does he have three rushing touchdowns? If that, with, what, two more, two less interceptions than Josh Allen? And not only that, he lost to Josh Allen. We're not even going to bring up Tua getting completely outplayed against Josh Allen, who had four touchdowns and I think four incompletions in that game against the Miami Dolphins. And that was passing. He also had a rushing touchdown in the game as well. Like, seriously? Mahomes and Tua? 
Like, this, again, this is why I don't want this the, the Pro Bowl stuff to, like, dictate how great you view a player after their career is done. I remember a couple years ago, Josh Allen decided to opt out of the Pro Bowl. Decided to opt out. Like, Josh Allen against Miami, 320 yards passing, four touchdowns, 17 yards rushing, a touchdown there. Five total touchdowns in that game. Perfect pass rating as well. No one wants to talk about that game, though, because we're on the Lamar Jackson train right now. We're not, we're not talking about Josh Allen absolutely beating the brakes off the Dolphins twice. Again, we'll see what happened this week, hopefully. Knock on wood, of course. But I remember a couple years ago, Josh, when Josh opted out, Mac Jones at a Pro Bowl that year. So if you look at the history of football, Josh Allen will have one less Pro Bowl, or as many Pro Bowls as Mac Jones. For opting out. And that was for Lamar Jackson, who hadn't even played the entire season. I think he had 19 touchdowns up to that point in that year. Like, again, it's just a popularity contest. It just is. And as you listen to the Bills media around the te- around Josh Allen winning an MVP, the Bills don't really care. Josh has not brought it up one singular time. But you hear the Ravens talk about it all the freaking time. You hear the 49ers talk about Brock Purdy, MVP, all the freaking time. I, I, it's just a freaking popularity contest. It's so annoying. There's no realm of anything to where to, and I'll, I'll, you can call this disrespectful. I don't care. And I'll include the NFC quarterbacks too. Tua, and I can understand Mahomes. I said this on Wednesday. It'll take a lot for me to say Mahomes is not the best quarterback in football. Even if he's having a bad year, which is what he's doing this year. But even then, he does not deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. I'm not even going to mention him though. Even though I think Josh should be above him in the Pro Bowl voting. And same with Tua, but we're going to focus on Mahomes. Tua, who could lose the division to Josh Allen on Sunday, is not better than Josh Allen. Purdy, as much as I like Brock Purdy, being from the state of Iowa, someone who never watched Brock Purdy beat his team, Brock Purdy is not better than Josh Allen. Dak, who Josh also beat this year, but that game, Josh Allen really didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> he didn't really do a whole lot in that game. He did throw a touchdown and have a rushing touchdown, though, in that game. Better than Dak. And Matt Stafford, yeah, I, I'm fine with Matt Stafford. I, I'm fine with Purdy, Dak, and Stafford making the Pro Bowl for the NFC. I'm fine. I think Jordan Love might feel a little bit hard done by. I feel Jalen Hurts might feel a little hard done by. But I'm fine with those guys being the Baker. Maybe Baker feels hard done by. I don't know. I'm fine with those three for the NFC. Those are perfectly fine. But you cannot tell me Patrick Mahomes, who has been the center of this Chiefs team's ass <laughs> all year, but he's in the Pro Bowl because we feel bad for him because the receivers drop passes. Uh, do not care. I really do not care. He's not better than Josh this year. If I was doing a grand scheme total of quarterbacks, then yeah, I would put Patrick Mahomes number one. If I was going regardless of how they did this season – how I would just normally rank them, Mahomes would be number one. We did that on Wednesday. But if we're going based off solely this season, there's no world where Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. Same with Tua, but hey, Tua leads the league in passing yards. So I can you can at least justify to a certain extent that Tua has XYZ over Josh Allen. I don't know. Pro Bowl's stupid. I the Pro Bowl, the practice of the Pro Bowl, like the flag football thing. I love the flag football game. That was more fun than any Pro Bowl I ever watched in my life. Because you could see the players talking trash to each other. It's flag football, so it's really stupid, but 
players get ultra competitive in flag. I played flag football. I get, that shit gets competitive. <laughs> I love the little games they do. Like the the new rendition of the Pro Bowl is better than whatever they did in the past. I love this rendition of the Pro Bowl. But we cannot look at it as this is legacy defining here. The Pro Bowl, in regards to how we view a player's Hall of Fame career, if there is a Hall of Fame career to be had, should not be justified by the Pro Bowl. I've said this for years now. This is not some new revelation I've had this year just because Josh Allen didn't make the Pro Bowl. This is something that we've talked about on the show for years now. We'll justify that by all pros and stuff like that. I think those are more important anyways. All pros, better than Pro Bowls. I'm not going to bring up like Terrell Bernard not making the Pro Bowl, who's had an awesome year. I'm not going to bring up Ed Oliver missing the Pro Bowl, who's had an awesome year. Like there's so many players I could bring up for the Bills not making the Pro Bowl, but the main will obviously be Josh Allen because he's the quarterback and to me the MVP of the of the friggin' NFL. But I understand that Lamar will probably win it. I'm I understand that, but if Josh Allen balls out against the Dolphins and has three passing touchdowns in this game, we have seven passing touchdowns and then gets a rushing touchdown and two rushing touchdowns against Miami. But Josh Allen always plays up against Miami. That's his game. Josh Josh Allen against Miami, and then I'm going to completely jinx it, so we're going to talk about what again. Josh Allen plays his best football against Miami. Always has. Josh Allen's lost twice to Miami, and one time was his rookie year. Like, he has lost – he always goes up against Miami. Miami dropped freaking 70 points against the, the Broncos. The Bills beat them, like, 48-20. to 20. Like, I, I will never – I, I got to be careful. You know, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I got to be really careful. Dolphins do have a lot of injuries going on right now. I do think the Bills can win. Same thing as the Cowboys game. Like I said before that, I do think the Kills can win. I kind of expect them to win, but we'll see. They go up to the two seed if they win. They don't need to win necessarily. They win for they need to win for my well-being, but they don't need to win in regards to making the playoffs. It would obviously help a great deal if they made the playoffs. Or if they won this game and win the division and get your fourth straight division title and all that stuff. But they could use a couple other things could happen. Like the Ravens need to beat the backup Ravens need to beat the Steelers. That would help. The Jaguars need to lose. That would help. Uh, the Texans and Colts, if they don't tie, then I think that has something to do with it if the Bills lose. I don't know. There's a lot of weird things that take place for the Bills to miss the, to make the playoffs if they lose. But don't even focus on that. <laughs> I don't even want to focus on it. I don't want them focused on like, ooh, they did this so we don't need to do anything. No. I hate that. That's That stuff sucks. That's a terrible way to look at things. Oh, they didn't do it, so they didn't win, so that means we don't need to win, then we're good. No, because you're going to go to the playoffs, play like absolute ass, and you're going to lose the first round of the playoffs, like you did against the Bengals last year. So let's avoid all of that and just beat Miami. Let's just focus on beating Miami, okay? And the Ravens, they're going to have the number one overall seed. They already locked that one up. The 49ers got the number one overall seed in the NFC. Like, all that stuff's locked up. That stuff is all locked up. <sighs> Man. Fun stuff, though. This last week of the regular season. It is crazy to think this is the last week of the regular season. And every, this is the last week the last week of college football and the last week of the regular season in the NFL. And then we got the friggin' Pro Bowl coming up. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have some interesting times here. But before we close out today's show, I want to do a quick quiz. We haven't done a quiz in a couple days, so <laughs> it, may, it makes sense to, to do a quiz here. And it's a Pro Bowl quiz. Last Pro Bowl quarterback for each NFL team. Now, this is not... Up to date, I don't think. Where's 49ers? Yeah, the 49ers on here is 03. That's the last Pro Bowl quarterback they have on here. So, obviously, Brock Purdy would be the last one for the Niners. Dak for the Cowboys. Uh, Matt Stafford for the Rams. They, they could still be the case, but 
For this list, if I go to the 49ers and don't say Brock Purdy, it's because they have a different year on there. They do have the year, so it helps you out. But that doesn't necessarily give us the complete answer. We have seven minutes to answer 32 quarterbacks. Uh, and we're going to try our best to go in order. But three, two, one, go Cardinals. That would be Kyler Murray. Atlanta Falcons in 2017, that would be Matt Ryan. Definitely Desmond Ritter. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, uh, that's Lammer. That's Lammer Jackson. Oh, no, it was Tyler freaking Huntley. It wasn't Lamar Jackson. Oh, my God. Another reason for abolishing Pro Bowls in regards to legacy-defining things. Bills, Josh Allen. Uh, Panthers, 2016, Cam Newton. Bears, 2019, Trubisky. Again, I, I, I don't even need to keep building this, but I will. <laughs> the Bengals, Joe Burrow. Uh, Cleveland Browns, 20, 2008. Was that Derek Anderson? Was he 2008 or was he before 2000? It was 2000. It was Derek Anderson. Cowboys 2022, that would be Dak. Dak Prescott. Denver 2015, is that Peyton? Yeah. And Eli goes in for the Giants too, so we got two quarterbacks there. Detroit Lions 2023, that's Jared Goff. Packers, that's Rodgers. Houston Texans 2021, Deshaun. Colts 2019, is that? It wouldn't be Phil, right? No. 2019 Colts, was Luck still around? Okay, Luck was still around. 2023 Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. Kansas City Chiefs, obviously Mahomes. Las Vegas Raiders, 2023 Derek Carr. Chargers, Justin Herbert. Cruz and now Rams, Jared Goff. Oh, he was the final one for uh, Lions and Rams. Wow, didn't even know that. They put Goff in for both of them, I guess. Dolphins, 1996. I mean, it had to be Marino, right? Yeah, Dan Marino. His last year was 99, so... Uh, Minnesota Vikings 2023, Kirk, Kirky boy. New England Patriots, Mac Jones, there we go. New, England, New Orleans Saints 2020, that's Drew Brees. Giants, Eli Manning. Jets 2009, is that Mark Sanchez? Did he make a Pro Bowl? 2009 Jets. We got five minutes left. We have 25 out of 32 right now. Jets in 09, is that Favre? It is Brett Favre. Uh, Eagles, 2023, that's Jalen Hurts. Steelers, that's Big Ben. Definitely ain't Kenny Pickett. San Francisco 49ers, 03. Is that Jeff Garcia? Has to be Jeff Garcia, right? Is Jeff Garcia. Seahawks, 2023, Geno Smith. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2022, it's Tommy. And then Tennessee Titans, 2020, that's Ryan Tannehill. And then obviously the Buccaneers, or the Commanders is Kirk Cousins. Wow, that was easy. We have four minutes and 31 seconds left. Uh, <laughs> didn't think it would go by that smoothly. But it did. I was very smooth. Very smooth stuff. Do I have anything else that I'm, like, pressing to talk about right now? I got 100% diehard pressing right now. Oh, the who has the, the best percent of turnovers on open receivers, average separation receiver, uh, Josh and Mahomes are at the top of to the left because the receivers are not open. Lamar actually leads that category because the Ravens schemes, Ravens, Todd Monk and schemes, everybody open for receivers. Not everybody. Obviously Lamar still has to make some great throws. We talked about the Odell Beckham throw that he had last week against the freaking dolphins. Like this is not a indoctrinate indoctrination of Lamar Jackson, not being able to hit open receivers because receivers are open. He didn't turn the ball over that much in regards to passing the ball this year. Though he is only, what, th four turn five turnovers behind Josh with, what, 13 less touchdowns? I think the four turn I know he's not playing this week, but the four turns are a lot easier to make up than 13 touchdowns, right? But Lamar will win MVP. We'll see. 
We'll see, though. If, jo- if the Bills win, I think Josh should be the MVP. But if he doesn't, then I'd understand him not winning it. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. We got we got some time till the MVP awards come out and all those awards coming out and stuff like that. But is there anything else that I'm really, really, really pressing to talk about today? I took a screenshot of something earlier, but I don't remember what it was. What did I screenshot? What was this? Not that. That's Emmanuel Ocho talking. So I usually try not to talk about Emmanuel Ocho too much. What did I screenshot? Does it matter? Uh, I think I don't think it matters. Oh, 95% of quarterbacks in NFL history of 45 touchdowns or more win the MVP. Allen has done it twice and got snubbed twice. 95% of quarterbacks that have had 45 touchdowns. So Josh needs three against Miami to get 45. Three against Miami to get 45. Adding on to his already impressive list of four straight seasons with 40-plus touchdowns. But that's neither here nor there. I had something else that was like, Really wanting to do. Not really wanting to do, but... Oh, fantasy. Gotta talk about... <laughs> gotta talk about some fantasy football. So, obviously, I won that one league against T-Boy. Won that league, so I got my money from there. Helped me get the couch. We brought that up Wednesday. But I am in Noah, Andrew, and Jared's Neighborhood League final. This would be my second championship of that league if I'm able to hold on. I don't really care about the other leagues. Like... All the other ones that I'm in, I'm in like third place battles or fourth place battles or something like that. I don't care. This league, I'm in for a championship. And I am up by a decent amount. I'm up 125.74 to 66.88. So I'm up by a decent amount. Obviously, there is another week. So we got to figure out this week for fantasy football. And I won last week. I was up big last week, but I got scared a little bit. But Lamar Jackson played later in the day uh, two weeks ago. He played the Monday night game. He played on Christmas, obviously. And this week, he just went off. So, that helped me a lot. But we're up by a decent amount right now. But there are some players, you know, sitting out because of the playoffs. Lamar Jackson sitting out. Brandon Ayuk, I think, sitting out. Zay Flowers is sitting out. Kyron Williams, I would assume, is sitting out. Like, we've got some key players missing time. Those are some starters right there. So, right now, we got Trevor Lawrence in. But there's a chance Trevor Lawrence doesn't play due to the injuries. So, maybe we're going to have to find a different quarterback. It might be Geno Smith. It might be CJ. Just for vibes, get CJ Beathard a championship. Who knows? But, you know, I like the team. I think, we are, I think we'll be able to hold on. Knock on wood. I think we'll be able to hold on. But time will tell. Time will obviously tell on that. And real quick, let's go over the NFL season. Or the NFL season. Let's go over games this weekend. We've got the Steelers and Ravens taking place on Saturday at 3.30. we got Texans-Colts Saturday night. Those are big games for the Bills' playoff hopes. Sunday, we've got the Browns and Bengals. we got the Vikings and Lions. we got Jaguars-Titans, which is a big game. C.J. Beathard potentially against Ryan Tannehill. So it looks like Will Levis is out injured. Potentially. I, I don't know if anything's confirmed yet or not. Uh, Jets, Patriots, Falcons, Saints. I need the Falcons to win just so I can say I need the Falcons to win. I need the Bucks to lose to the Panthers. So that way, Falcons win the division and I can look really smart. Uh, but Bucks playing the Panthers. Bears, Packers. Interesting game. And then that's the 325 game. And then another one we got Broncos, Raiders, Eagles, Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, Niners, Rams, Cowboys, Commanders, Chargers, Chiefs, and Bills. Dolphins rounding out the last week of the regular season in the NFL. This season, in regards to... <laughs> I was talking to my dad about this. This is probably one of the worst regular seasons of all time, but it, <laughs> it's football, so it's fun. I don't think the I don't think this year has been really that great for the quarterback play all around the league, but, you know, it's whatever. We'll go into next season. We'll go into the playoffs. Well, potentially. I might not even watch the play. If Bills don't make the playoffs, I might not even watch. Can you blame me? I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to sit there and watch that. But we'll see. We've got some fun matchups coming up this weekend. 
And yeah, we will be either really happy or really pissed on Tuesday. I mean, maybe even more pissed when we record Wednesday's show. But that will come with time. This will be it for today's show. It's a little shorter one than what we've usually had recently, but... You know, we need to have one of these shorter ones every once in a while. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. And if you could, make sure you like and subscribe to The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and check out all the different forms of social media that we brought up before. And with that being said, I've been Logan Blackman, and I will see you all later. Have a good weekend. Peace.